Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. called the prodigal and this is going to be a three-week series and I love this um, and I've got a lot to talk about because we're going to break this story down that many of us are really familiar with down to the three main characters in the whole thing the father the youngest son and the eldest son and next week we're going to be talking about the eldest son and I've got a sneaking, I'm already repenting, okay, about next week's sermon. Um, I'm already working through some things. I'm like, dadgummit, dadgummit, dadgummit. Um, that I, a lot of us, if you grew up in church, I, I, you probably have eldest son syndrome. And you need to show up and you need to be here because it's, it's going to be a great message. Um, that I think a lot of us are going to be like, man, I didn't even realize that was me. But today I want to talk to you about the father in this story, the father. And when, when, when Jesus starts this parable, he, he introduces this chapter, Luke chapter 15 is going to be our text, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. And before we get there, he introduces this by telling two other parables. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep, right? There's a shepherd. He has a hundred sheep. One goes missing really close to about what we were singing about the reckless love of God. He leaves the 99 to go find the one, right? And he finds the one, brings it back, and they're rejoicing and they're excited because they found the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coin. The, the, the widow's cleaning her house. She's lost this coin. She can't find it. So what she do? She does a yard sale, right? She throws everything out. She does spring cleaning. She sweeps. She finds this lost coin that's super valuable. She brings all her friends in and they throw a party because they found this thing that was lost that was now found and they were treasured, right? And, 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 and we're reading this and it's almost this whole setup to the prodigal son. And Jesus has got all these religious people and lost people and um, from all walks of life listening to him and he breaks down this story called the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15 verse 11 through 32 and I want us to talk about how do you and I obtain the father's heart from this story how do we remember the old commercial like Mike I want to be like Mike you know Michael Jordan the Gatorade when I, I sometimes I dream that he is me and he's dribbling all this stuff right like like that we would be like the father in this story, not like Mike. So our text today is Luke 15, verse 11 through 32, and it says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. 
few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in Las Vegas, in wild <laughs> living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. There was a recession, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields and to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, and this is going to be our text for next week, yeah, uh, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, What's, what in the world is happening? What's going on? Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. I'm sure the servant's like super excited, and the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once did you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. By the way, cows way better than goat, if you're wondering. I know I went to Africa. Um, so cows greater than goat. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by my side, or you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Many of us were super familiar with this text, and we're going to talk about the, prod the younger son, the prodigal son, on Easter Sunday, we're, we, we, we've almost become numb to this text because we know it. There's songs that are made about it. And, and if we don't understand the gravity of what Jesus is telling his listeners, we don't understand the bigness of this parable. And so there's a little background you have to understand about the culture. When Jesus is telling this parable, for the youngest son to come up and ask his father for his inheritance while he is still alive, while the father is still alive, you didn't do that, right? Like, maybe, like, when I was a kid, we played a, a game called Dibs on Dead, right? Dibs on Dead. Like, so I would go to my grandparents' house, I'd be like, Dibs, Dibs, like, when you're dead, can I have that, right? Hey, Grandpa, I see you have a ring on your finger that has a big diamond. Can I have that, Dibs? You know, I want your car. I want, and I'm not even thinking I'm this little kid, like, my grandpa's probably going, you little snot head brat, you want me dead right now? Like, 
what's going on? And I'm sure my uncles and aunts and my dad and my mom are like, get in line, kid. Like, we've already called dibs on that. You do it. Don't lie. Um, but anyways, this has taken dibs on dead, total another level. And the younger son is saying this to his father. I'm done with our relationship. I don't care about you anymore. In fact, I wish you were dead. This is what him asking for his inheritance is saying to his dad. It's saying to that culture, I wish you were dead and I could just get my stuff because I'm done with the relationship and all I want from you is what's coming to me. And, and you hear this and the culture hears this and the listeners hear this and they're going, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, who does that? And, and, and the typical traditional response, if this happens, is this. Here's what the listeners are ready and waiting to hear. And the father went out and beat the fool out of that kid, right? And <laughs> kicked him out of the family. And that's, right, right, like, yeah, we'll help. And that's really what the community is like. I'll help, I'll help, you know. If you're too old, the community will come and we will whip your son's butt for you. Like, that's this is the traditional reaction, right? And you're like, not much has changed. And, and so we're like, yeah, you know, this is what, but that's not what happens. Father doesn't run the son out, doesn't forcefully, physically run the son out. He divides his estate and gives him what's coming to the younger son. And that statement and that moment of that happening blows their minds. Because here's what it says in the NIV. Because like when I've read this story, I thought, okay, the father dips into his little, you know, money bag or like he's a leprechaun and just has a pot of gold at the end of rainbow, right? Like he'll dip into his 401k, he'll dip into a savings account. No, no, no. The NIV says he divided his property. So, so here's what the, the younger son asking the father to do this cost the father a ton. Because land and property was a huge deal, right? Like the musical Oklahoma, this one line says, and we know we belong, the land we belong to is grand, and when we say, you, okay, anyways, um, but I don't know what's happening this morning, but that land was their identity. Land was their, their, their status in that culture. It was their wealth. It was part of who they were. And the father doesn't just go and give him money. He has to sell part of his property off. And this becomes a public embarrassment. This isn't just like most of us, you had fights coming to church this morning. It happens, right? So, so you don't say, yes, I need prayer requests. That's what your kids are doing down in children's church. My dad yelled at my mom. You know, I think they're getting a divorce. That's what happens. Um, that's what kids do. Like, we're fine. We just had to fight, right? Um, but like this was a public embarrassment. The community knows about this because the father's having to sell the, his property, having to sell his land. Everybody knows it, it, it is making the father make some modifications, hurting him, hurting his land, hurting his earning potential, and yet he doesn't get mad. He doesn't get angry. And when Jesus tells the listeners this, it absolutely blows him away and shocks them at the response of the father. Can I tell you, that's the very first point of what you and I are called to be if we're going to have the heart of the Father. And it's simply this. Let, the, let your reaction to those who hurt you 
shock them. Let your reaction to those who hurt you shock them. And some of you are like, oh, I'll shock them, all right. I got a taser. I will shock the mess out. No, 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 no. Let your, your reaction to those who hurt you the most, who broke their promise, who lied about you, who hurt your family, who hurt your kids, who cost you dearly, who embarrassed you publicly, react in such a way that it shocks the very person that hurt you the most. Right? The reaction of the father to the son, the youngest son, blows him away. Like, it, it's totally shocking. He's probably like, what? That, that's, that's it? No, no, no hits? No, no get out of here? No, never come back here? I don't want to see your ugly face, your ugly mug again? Like, no, 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 none of that. And here's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Can we stop just for a second? Second service, I need you to be honest or I'm going to preach online next week. Um, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. I could be honest, I struggle with that. Anybody else in here? Like, it's okay, it's okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm pretty, I'm nice, if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you, right? If I don't know you, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm like, hey man, what's going on? Hope you're having a good day. Now, if, if you come at me though, and you are being a tool bag, we'll say, you're being a jerk, you're being whatever it is, and like, you're, I'm like, okay, this is how we're gonna play. Gloves off, I will win, right? And so, we retaliate, we pay evil back with evil. You hurt me. I hurt you. You hurt my family. Death, right? Like, and what do we do? We repay insults with insults. And this has never been more true than in the, the venue of social media. We repay insults with insults. Peter keeps going. Instead, dad gummit, pay them back with a blessing. Are you kidding me, Peter? Like, you're the guy that chopped the guy's ear off when they tried to arrest Jesus. Like, you didn't repay him with a blessing. Like, there's an ear, and there's an ear. Like, come on. I know your past, buddy. Like, it's there for everybody. <laughs> Pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And catch this, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. I love that. Right? If you want to enjoy life and see tons of happy days, here's how you do it. Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Don't repay evil for evil. And don't repay insult with insult or keep your lips from telling lies. Man, that's a huge key to you enjoying a peaceful happy, long, fruitful life. But then there's reality. And growing equals changing, right? This is a part where I'm trying to grow at. And I, I, I sometimes get better, but man, when, when I have people that have hurt me the most, when there's a younger son that, that insults me and hurts me and embarrasses me, man, my, my, my nature and your nature is to rise 
right back up and to meet force with force. If you don't believe me, you should have seen me when I was a little league basketball coach a few years ago. I remember the last game I ever coached, and I was like, I got to stop this, or we're going to make the news as a church. Um, I, I was like, I got to stop. And there was a, a ref, um, and I'm, I'm coaching, and our other coach, and Randy, our other coach, is up coaching. And we went for a basketball game, and a rugby game broke out. And I'm like, awesome, cool. Um, let's just make sure we at least follow rugby rules. Apparently, there are no rules in rugby. And so... Um, so Randy at one point in the game says, hey, can you watch for at least the traveling, right? And it was super nice, super respectful. Randy's this smaller, nicer guy, super soft-spoken. And the ref was just, man, he just had, like, he, the whistle was power to this guy, right? Like, he strutted into the gym like this. Like, I got a whistle. What? I'll give you a tea. I'll give you a tea. I'll give you. And he looked at Randy. He said, what did you say to me? And, like, he's all the way down there. The game's still going. And Randy's like, nothing. Don't worry about it. And he went and sat down. He goes, no, no. He starts trolling Randy, okay? Now, here, here it is. Randy's like, I didn't say anything. Just go rep. He tees Randy up. Cue Justin. That's when, like, tag team wrestling, I'm like, put me in, baby, because you're getting hammered, and I feel it, right? Like, I, I'm just stomping. I'm like, and he went down. I'm like, I'm in, and I stepped up, and I go, hey. I go, I'm not so little as him, and you know what you are? You are a massive jerk. He goes, what'd you say? I go, come closer. Jerk. I'm like, we can talk after the game. And after the game, parents came down, and I invited them to church, and it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> Found people, find people, right? I, I'm not good at this. And this is a, so, so as I'm talking today, hear me. This is something your pastor struggles with. I, man, I, I do good being nice when people are nice and decent when people, I don't even know them. But how do you react when people hurt you? People disappoint you. People lie to you. People embarrass you. How, how do you respond? Are you still being an emotional-led person? Are you still being self-led? Or are you being spirit-led? Are you letting your spirit lead? Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead your life? Because you and I are called to do this. We're called to live our life in such a way that it shocks those who hurt us the most. What instead of insults, we repay them with blessing, with kindness, with mercy, forgiveness, and grace. What if we overwhelm them with that? And this is what you and I have been called to do. And it's not for other benefits. It's really for yours. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. I would say this. Love covers a multitude of stupid, right? Like, seriously, most, most important of all, continue, continue to show deep love for each other. For those that are close, here's the truth, those that are closest to you hurt you the most. And the Bible says this, when they've hurt you the most, continue to love them. 
continue to love him. Proverbs eleven seventeen. your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Your kindness, man, it benefits them, but it benefits you too. Because who gets ruined by you being cruel? Whose reputation does it harm by you being cruel? Who deals with the guilt? Who deals with the shame? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Now I'm having to deal with fallout because of my action, because I was cruel. It always destroys you. And if you and I are going to act like the Father, hear me. We're going to have a Father's heart. You and I are called to react to people who hurt you in a way that shocks them. The second thing is this. The Father shows us is don't write off others. Don't write off others as a lost cause. Keep looking and expecting a turnaround. Don't write off others as a lost cause. Keep looking and expecting a turnaround. I don't know if you've ever had somebody waiting for you, right? You, you're running late. Um, some of you are like, that was this morning. That was the fight you alluded to earlier. Um, but but you, you've had somebody looking for you. When I was uh, in Bible college, went to a, a great college, but it's super strict, um, and they had a 10 o'clock curfew during the weeknights um, for you know, grown adults, and that's awesome. And so um, I always say this, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a bad uh, college student. I wasn't going around um, getting drunk and doing lines or like with cocaine and not hanging out with prostitutes. Like, I don't know if that's what you call, I've never even seen it. I'm like, I've just seen it in movies. Like, I'm like, oh, it looks like it's sugar. That's not sugar. Anyways, um, it's called sugar booger, baby. Um, but, you know, what, what, what? I, I, I was just, a, I just did dumb stuff. Like, I wasn't a bad kid. I just did dumb stuff. And so um, we were out. We'd be playing wiffle ball or something like late at night. We didn't want to go in at 10 o'clock because we're like, man, the party's just getting started. We're really, you know, zeroing in on that wiffle ball right now. And so um, we'd hang out and um, there would be security guards waiting for you at my Bible college. My Bible college is tiny. Um, and when I say security guards, um, take the mall cop and take it down two notches. And that's what we're talking about. There's no taser. There's no gun. They have like an ever ready flashlight that barely works. Right. And so our strategy would be, we would park far away and then we would just run as fast as we wanted to, to our room. And the security guards would try to chase us. Um, and they were not fleet of feet, to say the least. And um, they would have a flashlight, and their flashlight couldn't. And I don't know if you've ever ran as fast as you could while laughing as hard as you can. Um, it's really hard. And I remember one guy, I, I about fell over. They're running they're like, stop! And I'm like, that's going to work, right? Um, and and, and so stupid. We put pantyhose over our head because that really disguises this. My nose is smashed like Squidworth off SpongeBob, right? Like, uh, oh, who's that six foot six white guy that's skinny as a pole? We never knew, right? So I got videos on. You can't recognize me. Anyway, so I'd, I'd be running, and they would. This guy was like, "Stop!" You know, and you're just seeing flashlights, like, and he went, "Stop!" In the name of the law, and I was like, "What?" In the name of what? We never got caught. Um, they had suspicions, but they can't prove it because of pantyhose, right? So um, here's the deal. They, they were waiting on us, but not in a good way, right? They're waiting for us to get back. They knew we were out, but not in a good way. And some of you, you've been there with your parents. Your parents were waiting on you. You decided you were big enough to not follow the rules and the curfew, but not in a good way. And here's the deal about this story. The father's waiting for the son, but with the best of intentions. 
He's waiting for the sun, and, and when he sees the sun, he, he doesn't go out and say, so did you learn your lesson? I'll see you back home. Hey, I told you. Told you so. Told, he doesn't grovel. He doesn't bring the whole community out that he was embarrassed in front of and say, hey, everybody come out. Look who, look who came back to town, right? Look who ran out of money and needs daddy's help. Well, daddy's broke now, son, right? He doesn't, he doesn't have this moment. He doesn't grovel because he was right. Man, he was expecting there to be a turnaround. In verse 20, says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, not anger, not resentment. He ran to his son, embraced him. And kissed him. And one reason I think, I really do, one reason I think it was easy for the son to come back to the dad is because the dad shocked him in the way that he reacted when he left. Maybe it was easy for him to come back when he knew he was wrong. And the son knew he screwed up, and the father was waiting, and he was expecting to turn around, and he was waiting for the son to come back. What did he do? He, in essence, left the light on. Anytime I'd leave for college and I come back home late at night. Parents would always leave the outside lights on, but even more importantly, they would leave a lamp on on the inside of the house so I could see where I was going. So it was welcoming. So I could make coming home a lot easier and a lot more welcoming. And then, you know, they'd want me to wake them up and all that stuff. I thought that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. Called to leave the light on. Some of you parents out there, you've got kids and you've tried everything you know. Man, you've, you've given money, you've sent them to counseling, you've tried treatment programs, you've prayed, you've invited, and now they don't even want to come to dinner. Now they don't. Man, the relationship seems to be gone. What do you do? You keep looking and you don't write that child off, but you keep expecting a turnaround. And when all you've done, you don't know what to do, you keep the light on for them. Kids, you've got parents, and maybe that relationship is straight, and you don't know how it's ever going to come back around. What do you do? You keep the light on for that parent because you're ex the heart of a father is expecting a turnaround at any moment. Maybe you've got friends. Maybe you've got neighbors, coworkers. I don't, I don't know who it is. But you've been working, and you've been trying, and you've been trying. What do you do? You keep the light on for them. The Bible says this. Proverbs 27, 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in that person's life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of keeping the light on. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. When you've got opportunity, keep doing good. When they don't deserve it, keep doing good. When they've, when they've walked away and it seems like they've written off the relationship, keep the light on. Because the Bible says this, don't get tired of doing good. Don't get tired of keeping 
the light on. Don't get tired of looking for the turnaround because at just the right time, parent, at just the right time, spouse, at just the right time, kid, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up, if you don't turn the lights out. So your job and my job is to keep the light on because we are expecting a turnaround and life change to happen. What's it look like to have the heart of a father? It looks like this. You've got to be full of forgiveness and grace. I'd be full of forgiveness and grace. I love the interaction when it happens. The son does exactly what you and I would expect when we get in trouble. Um, all you married people, even when you grew up being a teenager, you knew when you screwed up, right? You knew when you messed up. And so you were practicing what you were going to say to that parent, to that spouse before you got home, trying to work your way out of trouble. And that's exactly what this younger son does, right? He's like, hey, dad, dad. Yeah, I took the car out when you told me not to take the car out. I took your credit card and I maxed it out. And yeah, yeah, you don't even have to call me your child anymore. I'll just work for an allowance the rest of my life. It's almost what the son's saying, right? And this is what the younger, he's rehearsing the speech like, man, I've blown it. I've screwed up. I don't even be, deserve to be called your kid. And he comes home. The father runs out, which father, man, elderly Jewish men that were the heads of the household, they did not run out to meet their children. They ran for no, I run for no one, right? Like some of you, you have that, that is your motto. I run for no one, right? Um, it's my life story. I'm not running. And Jewish heads of the home, the men did not run. Yet he sees his son and you couldn't stop him from running. His son gets a sentence in. God, I mean, dad, I know I've messed up. No, screwed up. I don't even deserve to be your son. And the dad acts like so many men. It's like he didn't hear a thing, right? I don't know what you're talking about. The TV's on. I'm zooming out. I'm just totally glancing. Hey, 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 bring, bring the best robe, which means this. Bring my robe. Bring, bring my. And understand, this, this son hasn't showered. This guy's still nasty. And it's not that he's just nasty. He's nasty tending pigs to Jewish people. That is ceremonial unclean. You didn't eat pig. You didn't play with pigs. You didn't feed pigs. And you sure didn't try to eat their food. And this kid comes back. Play that funky music, white boy. Um, <laughs> this kid comes back. And he's like, oh, I have sinned. I've messed up. I've goofed. And, and the dad's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Bring my rope. Bring my sandals, bring my ring, and put it on him. Because my son that I thought was lost, he came back home. There's no apology necessary because my heart's full of love, grace, and mercy. And instead of throwing a spectacle and instead of sending him to all these different things and making him go through all the, the, the gamut of him being in good standing with the Father, what does he do? He throws him a feast instead. Instead of throwing judgment, he throws him a party. Instead of sitting there and saying, so what did we learn about this son? He throws him a feast with the very people invited in the community that that son just embarrassed him in front of. And here's what Colossians chapter 3 says. It says, so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility quiet strength, discipline, 
Be even-tempered. Content with second place. I need to work on that. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Forgive quickly and completely. Throw parties instead of judgment. Throw grace instead of shade. Right? Give mercy instead of ridicule. That's what you and I are called. That's what it looks like to love like the Father. But Justin, you don't, you don't understand. No, I don't. And Justin, if I do that, I might get hurt. You might. Can I tell you, this isn't, this isn't how the world operates. And we're like, well, I can forgive, but I'm not. And here's what it says. It doesn't say, well, you can forgive, but don't do it. No, it just says forgive. Have you forgiven completely? Because when the father comes up, you know what? He meets his son and he's run. And he's at a place where he's not guarded. He's not sheltering him. I'm not going to let you hurt me again. No, no, no. He is welcoming his son once again. And that's what's so shocking to everybody listening to this story. Is that's, the, that's the shocking part. That he's not guarded. That there's no repercussion. No, the son's already been through enough. And so what does the father do? He forgives quickly and completely. And that's what you and I are called to do. To give forgiveness quickly and completely and to shock those who hurt you by the way you react i'll leave you with this the difference between mercy and grace mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance grace gave him a feast can i tell you you and i are called to throw feast even for those that hurt you the most let's pray lord we love you And I'm just going to be honest, Lord, that I am in this place and I need help in this area. God, I love celebrating others. I love kind people, encouraging people. I love being kind and encouraging to others. But Lord, when people hurt me, when people hurt my family, when people hurt my friends, man, I struggle. I hold on to it. And I'm not living out what the Apostle Peter told us to do to not repay evil with evil or insults with insults. But to give them a blessing? God, all of us in this place, we have our own younger son. We have people that we love, people that we were in relationship with. We were close to. To hurt us that embarrassed us. And you haven't called us to react and to respond to them in our own nature, but you have a better way for us to live. And it's not just beneficial to them. The person that gets destroyed by cruelty is ourselves. Lord, it's a better way for us to live. So God, I pray, the only way this happens is for you to take the will. The only way this happens is for you to be in control of our emotions, of our spiritual life, and our everyday life.
And so, God, I pray, help us to respond to those who hurt us in a way that shocks them. Lord, I pray for those that are here that, Lord, maybe they're struggling with a lost kid, a lost parent, a lost friend. And the tendency is to give up. The tendency is to stop trying. Lord, I pray let us keep trying. Let's keep the light on. Let's not get tired of doing good. Let us not get tired of praying for them. Let us not get tired of trying to keep a relationship with them. Because, Lord, your promise is this, that we will reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. So let us do good. And let our hearts be marked and our lives be marked being full of love, mercy, grace and forgiveness and instead of casting judgment and shame and guilt let us learn to throw parties even for those that hurt us the most it's in Jesus name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today if you're here and you say Justin I'm here today and man I feel like I'm just I'm not I'm not home and something pulled you away from where you know you need to be in a relationship with your heavenly Father. Something, some, some, something, sometime, something happened, and where you are, you know that's not where you should be at. And you're like, Justin, I'm here, and I know I need to get things right in my relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you in this place or at home, Watching online, I'm going to count to three, and all I want you to do is raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in the service? Yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further. You just say, man, it's time for me to come home. It's simply time for me to come home. And you join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. If you raised your hand, if you'd please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I know I've wandered away. But I repent of that life. I turn from it. And I turn to you. And I'm coming back home. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals the raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Hey, let me leave you with some homework real quick. I've been trying to do this almost every week. And, and when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to acting like the Father instead of yourself, I think we've got to put actions to see change happen because one of our core beliefs is that growing equals changing. And so let me give you two things. What is a relationship you've written off? What's a person you've written off and given up on instead of expecting to turn around and keeping the light on? I've got one of these. I had to contact him this week. I contacted him for two years, just trying to do coffee or lunch. Nothing, nothing, ghost town. I had to text parents and like his ex-spouse to see if I've got the right number. <laughs> 
you got the right number. I'm like, awesome, cool, great, awesome. I'll try mailing him a letter, right? I've, I've done it all. And I just got tired. You know what? This week's been me turning the light back on. Who, who do you have that you need to turn the light back on and expect to turn around? The second thing is this. Who do you need to forgive? Even though they haven't asked, who's hurt you? Who's wounded you? And they were wrong. Who do you need to throw a party for? Who do you need to shock them with the way that you treat them, even though they hurt you and wounded you? And let's be the Father. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.